Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Uh, so good to hear three cheers for the Queen. I feel like we're going to have to update it eventually, but Do not we? yet. Do we remember I know. that? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. And just a few reminders, as always, our housekeeping. Please give us five stars if you love the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We would love a five-star rating from all of you. Also, email us, info at gallerypodcasts.com. And follow us on Instagram at royallyobsessedpodcast. Rachel, are we back to regularly scheduled programming? It feels like this has been a year. It's still since. very much the period of mourning, but I'm just like, and I was going to say, I'm Rachel and I'm still tired. I almost added that to my intro. <laughs> That's your title. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, it has been just, I, I feel the post-funeral kind of coming back up for air, even in my personal life. I don't know if you feel that way. Like yesterday yeah. was such a, I was like wiping down the counters and, and really kind of organizing Finn's clothes. And like, yes. I just neglected so much because I know we weren't even there and it was a whirlwind. Can you believe it's been almost two weeks since she passed? And yet it, it feels like months and months of royal things have happened in between. And yet, no, it's like no time has passed at all. It's only been two weeks that without the queen, it's just, it's really unfathomable. It's been two weeks since she swore in Liz Trust. It's just. Wow. That's so so staggering to me how much has happened since then. Well, we have a lot to talk about, but also not as much. And I'm happy about that because I think that it's, I'm glad that the royals are kind of getting some time to be a family rest. We were supposed to see William in New York City this week. That is not happening. So instead, we are joined by the absolute wonderful Micah Meyer, founder of Beaumont Etiquette, best-selling author, dear friend of the podcast. We're going to be talking about some funeral reflections, but also coronation details, so much to come. What else, Roberta? I think we should talk about what we're sipping to get through the rest of this week because Monday was such a whirlwind. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. I have some iced coffee here, which is getting me through. I just have water. I'm trying to really hydrate because it's just something I always neglect. Yeah, I feel like I'm still a little behind on my sleep, so I'll have to do some catching up in the next few days. Um, We got some amazing, amazing listener emails from our audience. Keep them coming. There's so, so many, and we love hearing from you and all of your reflections about this period of mourning, the funeral, everything that's occurred since the queen's passing. This one's from Nicola. She says, I love, love, love your podcast, but I'm so sad you seem to have taken against Charles. I suppose we in the UK see a different side to his story. It seems odd to all of us that Diana is not queen consort. And yes, he is a little more bristly than the queen appeared to be. But public feeling as I see it in England is that he's a man who cares deeply about his interests. She also says, give him some time. It's easy to make a saint of someone who's died and feel resentment toward her replacement. I'm sure he feels it too. I feel responsible for this, but (laughs) I definitely want to be clear that we have a lot of optimism about Charles. I think what's kind of, it's weird to say exciting, but I think this is a real moment in history and we need to give Charles time to come into it. Yes, he's had a lot of time to prepare, but it's, you know, he gets that freedom, I think, to figure it out. And we will be kind in that regard in the months to come. And all I wanted to say when we were after we chatted with Bethan about the pen debacle is that this man needs a nap. Give this man a nap and give him time to grieve privately. I was 
too, way too harsh in that criticism of, but I, I think it was almost like a moment of levity for all of us when it was such a heavy time to kind of laugh about his reaction to a pen, you know, like a pen tray. So it was, it was nice to kind of just chuckle about that. But of course, like the amount of travel even that they've done in these past few days is, is just mind blowing. So, and they're in Scotland right. now, right? Yes. They're in Scotland, I think with their, the rest of the week long period of mourning after the funeral. So they'll hopefully yeah. have time to finally privately grieve as a family. It seems like that's like, been so it must have been so difficult to do with how much they've been in the public um one more letter from josh we loved this we want to read it he said hello ladies i am a long time listener first time writer i don't have anyone in my personal life who cares much for the royals so this podcast has given me a sense of community i love that refrain that we often hear from our listeners because we are your community guys please yeah (laughs) come to us always I know. He said, I'm in tears already as the funeral procession begins, drinking a proper brew of Yorkshire tea out of a gorgeous antique cup with my cats before 3 a.m. on West Coast time. I deeply appreciate your reflections and deeply felt emotions about Her Majesty's passing. He then talked about his run-in with Charles and Camilla on the island of Crete in Greece, and he was floored to see them up close. He says... He also writes, thank you for creating this community. If there's ever a Roro meetup in Seattle, I will happily help organize it. I'd love to find my local Roros. Thank you for all you do, along with the tears I know we all share. I hope today brings us all a sense that Her Majesty has been well honored for her remarkable contributions to the world. May she rest in peace and long live the king. It is so good to hear from all of you. Of course, you can email us info at gallerypodcast.com. And leave us a review. We can also read those. And so we read them at the end of the episode. And that's another amazing way to reach us. And it would be even better if you left us five stars. Rachel, this week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. So this is a hard pivot, Roberta. We're talking about Prince William opening a neonatal ward at St. Mary's Hospital. It was September 20th, 2006. He was 24 years old, so 16 years ago, and it was called the Winnicott Baby Unit. Um, And again, St. Mary's is where Prince William was born. I think that what struck me about this, there's some video clips online. Um, It's a very, very young and dashing Prince William. I feel like it's like we're in lockstep with our ages, so I kind of remember following and getting all the teen mags during this time. But there's always a lot of talk these days about Kate being super broody, but William was looking a little bit cooey at this event, also turning beet red while holding the infant twins, that one of which was only only weighed five pounds and then in the NICU. I just think there were a lot of nods that made me smile in these clips looking back. Most of all, given the circumstances of the last couple of weeks, William was gifted a Paddington bear. And I think that just has such significance for all of us now ever since the Jubilee. Um, Yeah, I think it was just a fun sort of flashback. And, you know, I think context is so important thinking about William's life back there. Then he was a recent St. Andrews graduate. He's about to graduate from Sandhurst in December of of 2006. It was four years before he got engaged to Kate. He was beginning to take on more royal duties. Um, And I think just when you go back through these archives, his destiny just feels so significant now. Like, I think that was one of the things that has been so striking to me with this, the passing of the queen is William is now where Charles was second in line and Charles is 73. So you know, there's good genes in that Windsor clan, but Mm -hmm. they live long lives. But I think it must feel all the more real to him too. Whereas when you watch these clips, he's really, you know, 
baby in it himself oh my at 24. Gosh. He has so much hair in this photo that you put in here. And he was kind of dashing. <laughs> he's so dashing. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's still dashing, but I think the hair, I those jeans aren't that good. <laughs> the, the, li- the long yeah, those jeans life are not jeans the are turned on and the, the hair jeans are recessive, it seems, because, uh, yeah, but uh, just such a heartthrob and so sweet to see him with the little babies at the neonatal. Yeah, Google ward. the clip. It's on YouTube. It's like just kind of raw footage, uh, but it's just I love seeing him turn bright red in this moment. The Paddington Bear. I mean, it's, it can't get better than that. And the timing. icon of the, the the mascot now of the royal. Family. Yeah, seriously, unofficially. are joined by a very special guest. Here is our chat with Micah Meyer. All right, Rose, we are joined by Micah Meyer. She is such a good friend of the pod. We are so lucky to have her on the show. For what it's worth, she's doing a royal etiquette tour on the East Coast. Micah, when are those dates? I am in, I start in New York City on October 2nd, and then I head down to Charleston on October 5th, and then landing in Palm Beach on October 9th. So we're teaching a combination of royal etiquette and social etiquette, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Amazing. Oh, that's incredible. Well, we know you're in London, and we want to know what it's been like there the past 11 days. How how has it been around the funeral? Everything. Tell us the mood. You know, I, I really wasn't sure what to expect. Um, even if you know she's, she's eventually going to pass, right? We'd been preparing for this for so long. It was still a shock to everybody. Um, so on the day it happened, um, so I was, I was here actually already for work, and I went straight to the palace because I had a little, you know, I just was like, I, that's where I need to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, from the moment I got there throughout the past um, two weeks, really, it has been a combination of silence and, and I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people in just wow. silence. Wow. And then, and then it will change to cheering and hip, hip, hooray. And, and the whole crowd, just thousands of people singing God Save the Queen. And this just really joyous, celebratory time of, uh, you know, thinking about her life. So it, it really does go back and forth. But crowds of people hugging, uh, strangers, you know, people crying, it's been, it's really been an unreal and very historic time to be in London. Yeah, I think that that's what has been remarkable sort of following along is that it was such a shock. Like, I think it's a weird thing to say when someone is 96 years old, we were, you know, it. she's at the end of her life, but it still came, happened so suddenly. But it has felt this equal parts absolute sadness, but then a celebration of life too. And I think we especially saw that on the day of the funeral, where as the coffin was processed in the car in the hearse we heard a lot of cheers and swells from the crowd I think that that was lovely to see in a nice way to honor her reign I agree and to see I think it the one last gift she gave everyone was really to bring them together 
and the amount of people sharing food in the crowds and water and, mm-hmm. you know, strollers being lifted up over heads to get, you know, children by. And it's really been beautiful to see. And I think she would love it. I think she would have absolutely loved, loved everything. And, and, you know, I'm obviously very sad to lose her. I'm also, it's, I keep thinking to myself, I had an issue yesterday where I thought I got a little, you know, consumed in the moment. And then I thought, what would the queen do? And I feel like my girlfriends and I have also all been in that sentiment. Like she would stay calm and, you know, just, just trying to channel her a little bit now, I think is something that we can all do to keep her alive. Yeah. Well, that was something we were curious about. What is the, what are the feelings you're experiencing and the mood towards King Charles the third? Cause this is such a big change, but one that he has been anticipating also for, you know, 73 years. Yes. So, I, you know, I have had a great um, honor of, of working with him before and um, just behind the scenes and seeing him behind the scenes and the queen consort, you know, Camilla, and they are wonderful people and they're a wonderful couple and they, they are, so, they beautifully complement each other and they're really funny and they're really loving and, you know, toward one another and, and very, his Royal Highness, he, he would be talking to the person serving a canapé just as much as he would be speaking to a journalist who approached him or was near him. And I think that does come across. Um, when you meet him, I think that will come through during his reign. I'm excited. I, I'm excited for him. I think he has shown so much strength and also great leadership already during this time. And I think he's going to do amazing. I think I'm I'm super I'm cheering him on and I I'm a, I'm a fan. I think he's going to be wonderful. You had this incredible front row seat when he arrived, when King Charles and Camilla arrived back to Buckingham. What was that like? So, that was a a moment I will never forget and I was essentially we did we had a sort of a front row positioning at that that the day after the queen passed. And I actually, I, I've kept it on my Instagram as a highlight because so many people didn't get that chance to see it. And I was, I, I was fortunate enough to, to, to be there and, and share it. And the moment that he came, um, you know, we saw the helicopters overhead and then the, all the police escorts. And that moment, he looked almost like in shock. I suppose he looked in shock. He looked, he didn't necessarily look himself in the way that he usually is so, he has such a big presence and he was almost, he almost felt small to me, just like a normal person who just lost their mom. That was what I felt. And I just wanted, if I could have, I I would have hugged him. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it was that moment where everybody just wanted to hug him. And I think that was incredible. And seeing that moment and seeing him and, the new queen consort walking into their new home of Buckingham Palace for the first time. I also think, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the crowd. And the moment that the the queen's flag, the flag came down, we knew he was about to arrive. And then, of course, then the royal standard was, was you know, put up uh, just moments before he arrived. And it was a very surreal moment because it was like the queen was no longer there and King Charles, which still feels a little bit strange to say, even though we've been practicing it it for so long. I know. 
but it yeah. was an incredible moment. How did you watch the funeral? Were you at home? So I did a combination of um, kind of in in person uh, on the street watching, wow. and then also um, on on television, just to be in the crowds and to be you know, um, amongst everybody and, and the yeah. spirit of the crowds. I wanted to be there. I wanted to see. Uh, but also, I think having that that amazing view from the BBC, just over everything, you couldn't beat it. So I was just like everybody else in the sense, you know, watching on television that moment that, you know, her coffin was lowered into the ground. The moment that she, you know, for me, it was the animal's the going by Emma, her pony got me. I was, it was waterworks at my house. Same, same. Yeah. I had a viewing, I had friends over for, you know, and we turned it on and we all made her favorite foods and drinks. And we just kind of, you know, all sat together and lots of waterworks, but. I think what was so, was stood out to me and you talked about when Charles and and Queen Consort and Camilla arrived, just he did look more, you know, emotional. And I think because your expertise is with protocol and a lot of this, observing it, we did see a little bit more emotion than typical from various members of the royal family throughout. What breaks in protocol stood out to you in this all of the last 10 days, I think? Was there anything that kind of caught your attention? You know, it's sort of like the affection question I get often about royal protocols. Is it appropriate to show PDA? And is it appropriate to show emotion? And really, the the true answer is that it is there's no official protocol that says how stoic or emotional um, a royal should be. And it's it's perfectly appropriate and accepted and supported either way, no matter how, you know, they want and, and they personally show emotion and handle in that moment in such a public way. So there is no protocol that says they have to be stoic or they have to be emotional or they have to be one way or the other. So that's a big something that a lot of people have been asking and, but that's the answer. And, you know, it almost made some of, you know, seeing the family so close and supportive and emotional. It showed a lot of people that they are real people. These are real, you know, um, wonder, it's a wonderful family and they're real people who mourn just the way that other people would mourn. And um, it was, you know, I think it was the whole world kind of was there to support them, which was beautiful to see. Yeah, because there was a lot of pomp, but then there just was a lot of emotion that we observed. And Roberta and I, like specific moments even, like when William kind of stepped aside at Mm -hmm. St. George's Chapel to let the Sussexes pass and sit. Like those little details caught our eye because we were just thinking that there was so much formality, but then there was more flexibility. And I'm curious, you know, maybe that's a hallmark of Charles too, that he'll be able to soften some of that. Yes, I agree. And I think that... um you know, of course, everyone kind of takes the lead of the monarch, right? So I think he will set a whole new standard for protocol and what that will be, we we have yet to see. And I think that I loved the moments of, you know, Princess Charlotte. And I loved the moments of, you know, letting just the care of showing everybody where to sit and you please you sit first. And I just thought it was a moment and, and a real day to show that um, they do love each other and they are a wonderful family. And it was just, I thought, beautifully, beautifully done. I'm sure like Rachel and I, you were struck by how impeccably behaved 
George and Charlotte were. I mean, the kids were <laughs> that so... That was a lot of pressure. They in the curtsies <laughs> and just, like, just in the car for so long, too. I felt like it was probably close to two hours that they were sitting in the back of the car. It was... I mean, it blew yes. our minds how they're, good, how they're well they were. so well behaved. And I think um, everybody always asks, do they sit in etiquette courses? Are they already enrolled? Are they, what are they doing? Who teaches them? And it's, you know, it's, it's widely known that um, now the prin- we call the Princess of Wales. Uh, she is their first and, uh, you know, main etiquette teacher in, in that mm-hmm. way where, you know, she, she learned and she is now passing down to them. So it's, it's, it's not something that they, they don't come to, you know, class every day to learn this. It's almost something that has been passed down from, you know, the family. And I think that's a beautiful way. And whenever I'm teaching my courses, no matter who it be, no matter what level of, of, you know, person or family, it might be in terms of a social rank, uh, I always tell the parents that your children are learning the most from you. And so mm-hmm. that's something that even though I teach a lot of children of all, all over the world um, etiquette, I think I always try to bring in the parents. And she and, of course, the Prince of Wales are a fantastic example of that. And it, it clearly shows Please pause while I internalize that as yeah. my, well, my own parent. <laughs> like, I am the main example here. <laughs> I try my best, but this is a good, like, I'm going to put that on my wall, Micah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, the, my favorite thing is my little girl, she catches me doing something and says, Mommy, that is not good manners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, I love you know, that. Like, I'll, steal a, I'll steal a chip off the table and walk by or some, whatever oh, I might do. God. And she, you know, she always, she has her favorite thing to tell me. <gasps> yeah, the joke, oh, the joke in my house. I feel like that was in full effect for the world to see when um, Sophie curtsied and then Charlotte curtsied right after her. It was like, oh, got to do that. It was, it was very yeah. apparent that they're looking up. Or to Charlotte their... kind of saying something to George, which yeah. lip readers, whatever, if it's yeah. truth or not, that you know, kind of Need saying to bow. bow now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so <laughs> so cute. she, I know. she is known to be very studious and very um, sweet. She's. You know, I think, and you can see that in her wanting to help her older brother and her remembering what to do and knowing what to do. And of course, it takes you back thinking about the that first little curtsy we saw when, on the tarmac when she was just so tiny. She's mm-hmm. always, she's a natural, right? She's a natural. Yeah. And of course, she gets that from, I think uh, it's clear, she gets that from her parents and, and her mother. Yeah. And it shows how fantastic um, the Prince of Wales is do Princess of Wales is, is doing. Um, but also, I think you know a lot of that comes from uh, just just being in the situation and and knowing what's coming up and how they should act. And but they're they're yeah, it's a fantastic thing to see and very inspirational. Yeah. I think for parents everywhere. Yeah, I think it was such a moment of warmth, you know, through such a somber and sad day. Mm -hmm. I think what really stood out to us as well was that there was another break where they were supposed to be Charlotte and George right behind their parents, according to the program, but then they were in between. And I think those little things just softened the whole day. And, you know, I think for Royal Watchers, it was uh, really meaningful to see. Yes. And I, one thing I do love is that, you know, that's an example of what the protocol was supposed to be, right? Um, The protocol is, is, the way by which something should be done to show respect, essentially. And even though the protocol was stated in a certain way, they 
you know, wanted to take the children and that was more important to show them that warmth and the love and the support in that moment. That's an example of how they will be with their family and how they will rule one day as well. I think sometimes it's putting that, the heart over sometimes protocol. And that's, I think they're, it makes them relatable. It makes them lovable. It makes them human. And I think, you know, for this next stage of the monarchy and the royal family, I think it's, you know, going to be a really beautiful time and exciting time. And I I think people are going to be very impressed. What is your reaction to a lot of the headline slinging that we saw throughout? Because I think there was stuff about the uniforms, then invites, disinvites. Like, how as watchers or, you know, paying attention, it's just, it's whiplash and it's also a lot of misinformation. How do you take all that in? To think about this as a, as a project, you know, think about this is, this is like, even though it was, it started to be planned in the 1960s, the moving parts of this, I can't even fathom or imagine. And I think it was seamlessly executed. And of course there might've been hiccups. Will we ever know, you know, the truth behind some of the media headlines? Probably not, but I think, you know, they did their best. I think it was, it came, it was really an exceptional example of protocol in so many ways. And just the curation of all these people, 2000 people in that, you know, moment in that first part of the funeral, I just, you know, who sits where and how, and this person missed their flight and then who sits next and who walks in first and who or Joe Biden, right? (laughs) I was reading about that today that he got stuck in traffic (laughs) and didn't take the bus. (laughs) So he was in the row. (laughs) You know, so it's, you know, I think some things, if you've ever been in an event, held an event, you know how much, you know, how many logistics and planning goes into that. So I thought they did a great job. I think they did their best. It showed. And, you know, the media will make up headlines for clickbait. So we'll never know what's true and what's not in most instances. And I think, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a lot to wade through. I wanted to ask you, Micah, So as far as like ceremony and funerals are concerned, what typically happens between like, you know, the cameras kind of cut off after the committal service at Windsor, where does the family go? Do they go to a reception? Is there like a wake? Like that's what I would think would happen in normal funerals. So what, what happens there? So afterwards there was actually a private viewing. So the, the coffin actually went down. It was, it goes down and then there was a private stair. So that's why everyone was saying when, if you watched it televised that you could see the coffin go down, but then you couldn't ever see it again, but you didn't see anything go over it. There was nothing slid on top of it. It was just still that open, you know, area. And so everyone's like, well, what now? How come we can't see it? How come BBC is not showing it? But it's because the coffin went down to another area. And then the royal family would have had that moment, uh, a private moment to say their goodbyes as a grandmother, as, you know, a mother, as a a friend. So it would have been her closest, closest family attending at that point. Um, of course, everyone also saying, when do they eat? We saw cameras on them almost all the time. I was I wondering think, that. Yeah, those were very kind of fleeting moments where they would have had a very, very quick 
kind of buffet lunch ready for them to eat. And then it would have been on kind of quickly and, and off they go again. So the family after that moment at Windsor would have had their own private moment before she was officially laid to rest, which then of course took place on the same day. Yeah. Wow. And all the kids that aren't there, like we know that for example, Sienna's birthday, her first birthday was Sunday right before the funeral. I mean, all the kids that aren't there, are they all together at the nursery or, or what's going on with them behind the scenes? They all live separately. So okay. they would have been at their own residences. There's no, you know, royal child care, daycare <laughs> area or anything yeah, like that. Right. Um, but, you know, the at the end, when they had that private family moment, there were no cameras, there were no journalists, there were no other public figures outside of the family themselves. And that would have been the moment where if they wanted to, senior royals could have brought the little ones um, to say goodbye. And, you know, so everybody, you know, all these memes about Prince, they're like the, the little princes and Prince princesses Louis. at home causing trouble and <laughs> Louis at home alone with the, you know, all of this. But, you know, we didn't see it. Uh, but at that point at the end is when, if his parents felt it was appropriate, they could have brought him to say a final goodbye, um, during that time before she was officially laid to rest. So that would have been Mm -hmm. a time where the littlest Royals could have also joined. Micah, what, you know, we've talked about some of the things that stood out to us over the last 10 days since the queen passed, what sort of was just really meaningful, poignant, funny, like anything that jumped out to you. I'm curious what caught your eye. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it was like the little moments, like the, the choir boy, the little choir boy, the one with the red hair that everybody's, I don't know if you're seeing that over in in the States, but the little boy who is so passionate and he loved the queen so much and was so excited to be there. Um, It was more the joy of that. Of course, like we said, the animals just got me, seeing King Charles in his new role and seeing the new queen consort, seeing the first time, I have to say the first time seeing the prince, the new prince and princess of Wales and seeing them called by their new title was just amazing because we haven't had a princess of Wales since Princess Diana. And so in that moment, you know, I just think, I thought, the, the you know, at the time, the Duchess of Cambridge, who then became the Princess of Wales, I just think, she was ready for this role. She's been ready for this role. Seeing her on the day of the funeral, I've never seen her more. She's obviously in mourning and she's still the composure, the strength. I feel like she has, that's something that she probably learned um, by watching the queen and seeing that strength and, and that's being passed down clearly in the way that she holds herself. And she's clearly a, a pillar of strength to the family. She is, you know, seeing the moment of Princess Charlotte you know, showing so much emotion in her mom, kind of being there and supporting her. She's a pillar of strength, I think. And and that showed so much. So I think that was for me that the first time we saw them called the Prince and the Princess of Wales was one of my favorite parts of the, of the two weeks. And I think also now really seeing them adjust to their new roles is something yeah. I'm looking forward to. And very eager to support and and cheer on like so many others. Yeah. Do you think it changes their intentions for their life at Windsor in Windsor at all? Because I know there was a lot of conversation about the proximity to the queen. Do you think everything is kind of in flux Mm -hmm. again? Yeah. I think, um, you know, there will be many discussions now because it, 
you know, the Duke and Duchess had just moved uh, before the Queen passed. So when Her Majesty did pass, things kind of are going to be reshuffled. So I think we will see another move very soon. Um, you know, we'll see the king now move into Buckingham Palace. We will see him leave Clarence House. We'll see some other royal residences become available. I also think seeing uh, the Duchess of Sussex come in to play, I thought that was wonderful to see her and uh, the Duke of Sussex together with the family again. I, I loved that. I loved seeing the Fab Four. You know, so I think the royal residences will be changing and I will see, we will see that announced very soon of who's moving where and when and why. But I think it's going to be, you know, everybody kind of gliding into their new roles seamlessly. And with that comes new locations that they will be spending time at. So it'll be exciting to see. On top of that, are there expectations of the slimmed down monarchy that everyone's talking about? Do you think that will kind of happen quickly? Will it take a while? What are, what are your thoughts there? I think it will happen pretty quickly. I think uh, it's, it's kind of when any new president of a company starts, a boss of a new team, and really now the new monarch, uh, you know, takes his reign, you don't, you implement things fast, don't you? you? You know, to make them stick, you have to implement them right away. And I think it's not something that you just trickle in. I think it will start very fast. We'll start seeing a lot of changes. I think we'll start seeing new roles. We'll see more of people, less of people. And I think it's already been planned for many, many years. And of course, as things evolve, relationships evolve, of course, those roles have changed in terms of what they probably would have been planned five, 10 years ago, of course. But mm. I do think that it will happen very swiftly and we'll start seeing those changes. We'll start seeing some other royals in new positions and seeing them out a little bit more publicly and in their new roles. And I, I'm excited to see um, see how they do. And, and I think, you know, King Charles has made some really good decisions so far and I'm excited to to see these, we are too. To see these and the coronation too. Yeah. I think that's something to look forward to. It seems like the Telegraph was reporting early, uh, maybe spring or summer next year. So I know that there's a fairly large gap, but there's a lot. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to follow along. I know Roberta and I are very excited. I cannot wait for the coronation. I even if I'm I'm I will fly in from New York the moment I hear I will be there. <laughs> um, but I'm excited for the coronation. That is going to be a phenomenal. Um, thing and another historic thing to watch and I think you know even seeing the orb lifted off the casket that these moments and knowing that that will be you know we'll see it again soon I'm actually going to see the crown jewels this weekend I'm excited actually yeah and I'll I'll see I'll put that on my Instagram for you all but I'm going to I'll show you a close-up on that on sun, this Sunday. So I'll show you a close-up of what they look like because we've seen now them on TV and we've seen, but I'll show you a very close-up of them as well. And so royal etiquette, you're going to be going to Charleston. You talked about that, but you also have an online course, The Duchess Effect. You, you're the one that you taught at the Plaza that I was able to take. Yes, yes. So since last time I was on the podcast, I launched The Duchess Effect, which is an online course on my website, which is beaumontetiquette.com. And it's how to emulate the style, grace, and poise of a duchess. And so I teach the course that I taught at the Plaza. And really, I, I launched this class back in 2013. So it's a very long, old, it's one of my 
you know, most popular classes to date. And we go over all kind of the rules, uh, the royal do's and don'ts, clothing, style. We actually give you products of what they actually use and um, lots of goodies there. British dining, all the good stuff. So that is my new course online. Well, I think of you every time I sit down and do the Duchess slant and all of those things. Right? I cross my legs. It's like I, I'm supposed to think of the rose, but I always think of you. I'm like, what would Micah do in this moment? And for anyone who isn't following Mike yet, it's at Micah Meyer on Instagram. Definitely give her a follow. I can't wait to see the crown jewels when you go this weekend. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, I love you all to pieces. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I will see you in New York very soon. Yay! <laughs> Before we adjourn the royal pod, here are highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. I'm going to kick it off with just generally, I feel like it's finally sinking in, really, that there's no more queen no more rainbow queen I, I think a lot of it has to do with how much you know dark colored black colored fashion that we've seen and i am missing so much her bright pastels her little handbag her hats it hadn't really sunk in because there was so much going on and so much about the funeral that there was to like kind of work toward and now you know, what we saw was a performance, but now it's silence and that feels really deafening to not have her. And so I think that's just generally I'm sad about the queen. I know. It's true, Roberta. I, I felt won't like cry again, was... though. I've cried no. so much on this <laughs> I was... podcast. It's all right. You're welcome to. It's that safe space. I was going to say, it is funny because at the with all the events, Charles really did get kind of, I don't want to say lost in the crowd, but that pop of pastel made the queen or bright colors right. always made it so easy to see her. Exactly. Milo, Roberta, is all of these trending hashtags on Twitter. For example, Meghan Markle bullied Charlotte. Go home, Harry and Meghan was still trending yesterday. It's just so horrifying to me. I don't know if it's bot-driven. I don't know where it comes from. But it's just, I think what disturbs me the most is that I feel that this ultimately becomes what's responsible for all the false narratives and manufactured drama that exists around the last 10 days or everything to do with the Sussexes. And I think it ultimately aids, continues to aid the family divide somehow. It just is so disturbing to me. Did you see the meme that was like, I mean, it's, it's not funny, but it's a little bit funny. It's like the tabloids are now searching for what Megan has done wrong so they can latch onto it. And like after the funeral, like she was, I mean, she was impeccable. She was gorgeous like everything you know yeah, spoiler alert she's done nothing wrong and then it was like the tablets are now searching for what she's done wrong now like the hand the hand holding oh my gosh it's i know and zara crazy. and mike held hands but didn't that didn't get a mention that didn't get a mention my high though is that everything went off without a hitch i was blown away because i mean i, I watched for at least seven hours and i mean save for a few officers that fainted a an event of this magnitude and scale and with all those you know 500 dignitaries just to think that everything went so according to plan and how how many layers there were to all of this I think I was just really happy to see that it all just kind of turned out 
as a beautiful send-off to Her Majesty the Queen. I think that was really special. It was so stunning. Some of the images, I just keep, like, not even of the actual royals, but just those pulled-back shots of the guards and everything. It's just such beauty. Yeah. So many people involved, and to think, you know, one person was really responsible for all of this. The Duke of Norfolk was responsible for... The seating rate. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's like a wedding on millions of steroids. It is wild to think about the planning. So I just am applauding him and everyone that was involved. It was incredible. Yeah. I would say that my high is just the news that Elizabeth II, her stone has been inscribed. And so it now bears the names, the queen, Philip, they don't say Prince Philip, but just as Philip, her parents and the years of birth and death. And that was brand new and replaced. It sits in King George VI Memorial Chapel and visitors can actually peek in at this. And I think, I think where it's a little bit of a reflective high, which is what I always love to say, but it's just thinking that for decades or centuries to come, that Elizabeth will be just kind of a name and a footnote in history. We all kind of go to these burial sites at different points in our life and see these names and just thinking that, you know, it's it's a very strange thing that, you know, we know so closely her life, but it becomes just that. And I do, I also think it's a high because the queen is officially reunited with Philip and her parents. Yeah, that part to me, like, gets me teary. I can't even think about it or else it'll be another, the third or fourth episode in a row that I cry. Um, no, but I do think, I hope I hope we get to visit this together. I, I That would be amazing to see in person. And I'm not sure how far this. in you can go. I was trying to understand from the coverage if you can just peek in this little annex of the chapel or not. But so if anyone visits, because it's reopening after the period of mourning, please report to us and let us I'm know. I'm sure there's going to be like the craziest lines. Ugh. But please tell us if you end up going. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Here is a review from Linda. She says, thank you for sharing your grief with all of us royal listeners. I cried through the latest episode. Same, Linda. Alongside you both. The queen has left a hole in all of our lives, and it will be impossible for anyone to fill her block-heeled shoes. Her steady, calm leadership and devotion to family and country will be forever admired. Oh, gosh. Please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode or a bonus episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and email us info at gallerypodcast.com. And till next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.